Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity. Well, if you couldn't express yourself, how would you de-stress yourself? And if you couldn't make and build and sing, and knit and paint and dance and spin, would you go crazy? Well, if you're going crazy... Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity, Art and Craft Creativity, Interviews with people who make, they are here to help keep you sane. Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity. Hello and welcome to episode 209. My guest on this podcast is Bethany Nixon. She is one of the co-organizers of the Detroit Irving Craft Fair that is happening this weekend, December 1st through 3rd at the Masonic Temple in Detroit. And I'm going to be a vendor at this event. And uh, even though Bethany and I are really, really busy this week, I have sawdust in my hair and all over my clothes. So I didn't even attempt to get myself cleaned up before the interview because it was by Skype. So I guess it didn't really matter that much. But um, yeah, I am in the thick of planning and Bethany is in the thick of all the last minute details that go into planning a show that attracts uh, eight to 9,000 people to downtown Detroit. So although Bethany and I are extremely busy this week and it's not the most ideal time to uh, record a show, we made time for it. And there's a couple of reasons why. Um, Well, first of all, I was born in Detroit, and this show kind of has a special place in my heart for this reason. I did the show back in 2011, and I was just blown away by it was fun. It was also exhausting because it's just it's a long show, and it's um, very popular. A lot of people go, and the caliber of the vendors is really nice, and there's a great variety and it's just really fun and it's great to return to the city of my birth to participate in something like this so it's a really awesome event and I wanted to make sure I talked about it but I also wanted to take an opportunity to talk to Bethany about just what goes into this and even though it's kind of mean on my part to like have her pause from the planning and organizing to talk about this I kind of wanted to capture her in the midst of it like when this is she's not talking about something in hindsight she's talking about what she's doing right now to plan for this show that's happening December 1st one thing is clear when you hear her talk it's clear that she loves to do this and if you're thinking in the back of your mind like oh you know I've never done a show I think I might want to vend uh Bethany will pass on some some good information to help you make that happen. And if any of you are thinking about possibly starting a show, I know I've had that thought. I live in Grand Rapids and I've thought for years, I mean, for well over a decade, I have thought, man, it'd be really fun to have a show like this here. And I kind of keep waiting for someone else to do it. Um, And so far that hasn't happened. So since I do specialize in doing things other people aren't doing, um, Maybe I I will do it. I don't know. Uh, Right now, I'm just overwhelmed by the thought of prepping for my journey across the state to uh, get all the stuff I want to bring over there. And that'll be my first hurdle. Any of you who are vending between now and the holidays, uh, you know that this is prime time. You get the holiday shoppers out. People are willing to spend money. But it's also just exhausting to try to keep up with demand and... um, you know, not lose your mind in the process of all this, you know, the the holiday rush here. So for a lot of us, this is the prime time uh, for our businesses. And I hope this podcast maybe provides a little bit of inspiration and entertainment and, you know, just helps get you through because it is, it's a rough go sometimes, but it sure is fun. So settle in with a project. You're probably already working on something that you're going to sell next weekend. Grab a beverage. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with Bethany. Bethany, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I think we're both a little sleep deprived right now, a little punchy. It's We have this big <laughs> event coming up. We're both going to be at the Detroit Urban Craft Fair that's coming up December 1st through 3rd. It's this weekend. 
at the Masonic Temple in Detroit. This is a huge show, and it's bigger than it was the first time I did it back in 2000. I think it was 2011. I was like just overwhelmed by how many people came through. I was just like, there's no way. And people just kept coming. And I'm like, where are these people coming from? Like, I can't even, is there even enough parking? Like, I was like, I can't even believe this. And I know it's grown since then, because now this is six years later. And oh my gosh. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're a part of a, a, a it's a two woman team, it sounds like that's uh, that you and your co organizer are working on this. And um, can you tell me a little bit about what's going on right now to get ready for this show? Well, this week, we're kind of wrapping up all the fine details. Um, There's a lot of boring work like insurance and accounting (laughs) and uh, meetings between management people. Um, And it's also a lot of fun stuff like talking to you and being on the news and um, getting excited with all the vendors and also talking on Facebook about how none of us are uh, prepared for what's about to happen. Oh my word. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's getting, it's, it's lack of sleep and it's getting more and more excited with every day while we work our brains out. And, and this is a long show too. So the, on Friday it's six to nine and that's a, um, a $10 admission and you're doing a fundraiser that night, correct? That's right. Yeah. We're raising, um, it's $10 admission and half of that is going to Girls Rock Detroit, um, which uh, creates a, a music camp. Um, for girls in the Detroit area and really uh, fosters girls' love of music and creativity and uh, something that we certainly want to support. So you're going to be supporting that and then people are going to, I know I'm going to have a make and take booth on Friday night so people can come up and I'm going to set up a yarn bar so people can um, come out and pick out what kind of yarn they want to weave with. And then we'll have some mini looms that they can try out and take with them if they're, if they're up for that. And then, um, on Saturday, it goes from 10 to 8, and then Sunday, 11, 11 to 6. So for vendors, this is a marathon show. It this really is. is. Like, you will this... be thoroughly exhausted. Oh, yeah. This is like, I mean, I've done some two-day shows, and but three-day mm-hmm. shows. I mean, this is, this is, and why is it that you guys make this a three-day show? Like, what is the logic behind that? So we did the three-day show uh, for our 10th anniversary. That was the year that we debuted it. And um, the reaction from the shoppers and the vendors was so positive that we decided to just keep going, like keep doing it. Um, We liked raising the money for charity. And um, uh, as I'm sure you saw in years past when you've been at UCF, Saturday morning is really busy. It's very congested and it's kind of hard um, for some people to be able to shop. So uh, adding the Friday night, um, a lot of our like really hardcore DUCF customers that um, want to be there first will will come on Friday night. And so then that kind of makes it easier for them to shop and talk with the artists and the crafters. Um, but also it, it also makes Saturday morning go a little bit easier for everybody else who wants to shop. Well, it just kind of spreads um, things out a little bit. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, and our vendors have told us that they really love it. It's only three hours extra, um, but it's a it's a fun way to kind of start um, the weekend and not start it with the bang of busy Saturday morning, but to kind of ease into um, the weekend. And, and yeah, we, we really enjoy it. You know, and when I was a kid growing up in the area, and I mean, you're you're not, you're a little bit younger than me, um, but you probably remember too. Like um, when you when we were kids, like you you grow up, you you maybe go to a Tiger game or go to a Wings game or you go do something, and then people are getting out of the city. And I mm-hmm. love what's happened since I left. Is what's happening is people are kind of you know they've been staking their claim for years, and shows like this that draw people to the city and in such large numbers. And I think when people think of Detroit and they might live out of state or somewhere else in the world. And they, they might have heard some things that weren't the greatest about Detroit. And um, I, I, what I love about the show is it really highlights the best the city has to offer, you know, people from the right, you know, locals and then people from, uh, you know, out of town, people who drive an hour to get there, people who Mm -hmm. drive from, do you have vendors coming from out of state? We do. We have uh, people that come from Chicago area, from all over Ohio. We've had people come in from Toronto. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which is really, uh, that was exciting. Yeah, when we met them. You guys have probably gotten great feedback just from 
Detroit, other businesses in Detroit, um, because other people benefit, you know, outside the show when you bring in 100 vendors, and then all those shoppers, they're eating places downtown, they're staying locally. Do you have any idea what your economic footprint is for your event? I think that uh, just Detroit or Main Craft Fair probably comes pretty close to half a million dollars worth of sales wow. um, by the end of the weekend between um, us and our caterer. But I mean, also uh, the parking lots, <laughs> like turning over spaces throughout the weekend um, and the restaurants nearby. And we do encourage that people make a day of it and really spend the day in Detroit and do some other things while you're in the city. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it has a great impact, but especially also on, on our vendors um, who 90 percent are from Michigan. Um, See, so, yeah, it, it, it buying gifts from them they're turning around and they're spending that money locally too, because mm-hmm. we all know the value of keeping our money local and, and spending it wise, wisely and ethically. So yeah, it's, it's, it's making an economic impact in, in waves. Well, I'd like to back up a little bit and just talk a little bit about the history of this show. Cause it's been going for 12 years now. And were you part of it back when it started? I was, yeah, I was, I was there for year one. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Now, were you an organizer then or were you um, part of Handmade Detroit or what was your role back very way back when it started? So Handmade Detroit um, was, it came out of a home show. Uh, so Handmade Detroit was originally five of us. So uh, Carrie Gustafson and Stephanie tardy Dimestra and Lish Dorsett um, all did a home show together and just kind of invited their friends. They did different kinds of crafts. And it went over so well that they uh, they thought maybe we should plan something bigger. And they had seen some other things happening in other cities, and they decided that they wanted to create something like that in the city of Detroit. I had met randomly each one of them um, at a uh, kind of flea market that was in a bar in the city of Detroit <laughs> um, uh, called the Bar Bazaar, and I had met all three of them on different nights. Um, and they asked me if I would want to be part of it as well. Um, and, uh, and then Amy Cronkite was the last, uh, member of Hamid Detroit to join, or not the last, actually it was, she was probably before me, but she was the other member who joined in. Um, and she was from, uh, the Detroit Craft Mafia. If you remember Craft Mafia. Days. I do. We had one for like no, five way, minutes. Way we had one for like five minutes in Grand Rapids and then it just oh, kind of really? fell apart. Yeah. yeah. It didn't really take hold, but yeah. We each kind of took like one branch of organizing the fair and um, all became friends. And uh, yeah, and that's how it started. I think we were 47 vendors the first year and we've grown over the years. Uh, we, we've moved from different locations to bigger locations to bigger locations. Um, but we've been in the Masonic Temple now for, I think this is our seventh year there. So that's really our home. We love it there. And, uh, yeah, it's it's grown from, we probably had maybe like 1,500, 2,000 people that first show um, to usually we have around like eight or 9,000 wow. over the course of the weekend. So Handmade Detroit, as it's evolved and the show has evolved and grown, um, how many people now are still, how many people that are with that core group are still participating in the show and involved in the planning and all that? Um, it's, it's, now it's uh, it's myself and Carrie Gustafson. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, life stuff happens. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so over 12 years, <laughs> things change. Um, but we're all still friends and, and hang out. And... You have the perspective of not just being an organizer of this event, but you're actually in the in the thick of it, too, with, as, as someone who's going to be vending. Now, on the day of I went, the three days of this event, I am assuming you're going to have some help in your booth. Is that? Yes. Okay. Because I was going to say, yes. I, I'd like to see how <laughs> I'm going to leave my booth to go watch how you how you pull this off. Um, you know, <laughs> right. So so how, so how is this going to work? Um, you know, for you, I mean, are, are you going to have like a walkie talkie like with your, you know, in your booth as you're trying to, see, to help someone pick out? That's some exactly vintage? how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I have a walkie talkie um, where I can talk to all the different kind of like department heads um, of the Masonic. Um, and if we need toilet paper in the bathroom, <laughs> yeah, I mean, or like something as basic as that, anything yeah. at all, I can call it over. Um, and and we have a really great team of people at the Masonic Temple uh, who who really help out a lot. And then we have a whole team of people that help us with Hammy Detroit and with the Tour de Crafter as well. 
And uh, yeah, so I'll be in my own booth with my husband because, yes, I will have to leave um, to take care of things from time to time um, and also to like go shop. Um, and, uh, and Carrie, uh, also has her own business class action and she'll have her own booth, which is right next to the handmade Detroit booth. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a wild ride the weekend, but, um, but I, I like doing the double trouble and doing both aspects of it. Well, it'd be kind of a bummer to plan the show and not get to participate in the show. You know what I mean? Like, right? yeah. yeah, so it's kind of, so I'm curious about Handmade Detroit now. Is it, is it a is it a group like a, a group of people that meet beyond the two of you who are organizing, or is that just the like the parent uh, kind of umbrella for this show? Um, we do other um, things from time to time. We we've had spring shows. Um, the past few years, we've worked with the Mopop Festival down in Detroit in the summer, and we host uh, like a, a giant craft tent with like 20 uh, vendors that we handpick that sell at that festival. Um, you know, we dabble in other things, but also we have a blog that we write about um, things that are going on in Metro Detroit, shows that are going on, shows that vendors might want to apply to. We're, we write about things that um, would be of interest to like artists and makers, but also to the people who want to support artists and makers. Awesome. Um, so we don't just write about what, what we're doing, but we try and really support the whole community. And so the website for that, that people can find, if you want to remind us of the website address, so people can yeah. go look right now if they want. Go look, go look. It's handmadedetroit.com. And we're also on Facebook and sometimes we post different things on Facebook and we're on Instagram and we're posting different, we're all over the place. So for for the people that are gearing up right now, um, if they're listening to this as they're like trying not to cry, making 1,200 more things for the show, um, what advice do you have? Because I think those of us who've done shows before, whether it's this one or in other shows, um, there's certain pitfalls that people fall into. Uh, we decide that we're going to make a whole new product line. We're going to just, oh my gosh, I've had this idea. I'm going to oh, just yeah. do it. And they, we, we do this. <laughs> and I'm actually doing something similar to that right now. So I really can't say oh, no. I'm talking about other people. Um, I have some things <laughs> that I'm going to be rolling out. And it's ridiculous. Um, it's kind of ridiculous timing, but deadlines are fantastic motivators. But what advice do you have? Some voice, like maybe be a voice of reason as someone who um, has seen, you've probably seen the best and worst of what decisions vendors make the last second. What tips do you have for people to just kind of be able to still have the energy to smile when Friday night rolls around? I have so many tips. It was hard for me to narrow it down, but I think, yes, I've done that too of like, I'm, I just came up with this new idea because you're making like <laughs> hundreds or thousands of things and then you realize you have that like aha moment. Put that aside for next year. Yeah, right, right. That's <laughs> a reasonable like people My do. advice to most people. Yeah. No, I've it's... done it too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I know uh, because I've been on both sides of it, I, I know that you have this urge to like make all the things and and you start going like, if I don't make 500 of this, like I'm not well prepared, but like, if you make 300 of it, it's okay. Like that's okay too. (laughs) Um, Be prepared that you want perfection, but perfection is not going to happen. There will be things that go awry and you will not get all the things done because you're going to keep coming up with more and more things Mm -hmm. as the deadline gets sooner. So just be prepared for that and accept that and have fun. like in the creative process. Um, I, I sleep so much less during this time of year, (laughs) but I think I have more energy because I'm just being more creative and I'm making more things. And I get, I get such a, a burst of energy from that, that I, it carries me through. Try and have that kind of mindset and, and enjoy the process as much as you're going to enjoy making all that money at the show. Um, just don't, don't burn yourself out. Um, try and take breaks, like, like every day, try and take a break. But also if you can take a day off, like at least one day off a week, um, you're going to, you're going to end up having more energy and make make more things total than if you just are, are working and working and working and working. And I don't follow this advice all the time. <laughs> but, <laughs> I was going to say, that was going to be my follow-up question. Always gonna it's happen. like, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. 
but take take um take a moment, take five ten minutes, like every few hours, and just you know make a cup of coffee and sit with yourself for a minute, or take a long shower. I mean, just do something, anything to just kind of pamper yourself a little bit while you're working yourself to death. <laughs> well, and also, I think oh. one of the things that a lot of us don't we don't do is we don't sleep. We don't get enough sleep before. And I've mm-hmm. actually been at shows where I like felt like I was like going to cry, like just because <laughs> my face hurt, like my eye sockets hurt. And I'm just like, okay, this is really dumb. Like I've I've made some great things and I was proud of mm-hmm. what I had accomplished, you know, up until that point. But I'm like, why didn't I not sleep? Because if you're making something Thursday night before you commute to the show on Friday, you probably shouldn't be like, just go to bed. You know, that's one of the things that I've decided. Yeah. Like, I'm like, okay. I usually don't sell the thing that I stay up all night making. I sell yeah. all the stuff I've already made, like that's already done. Like, and it's my normal products and normal things. And I know they sell. And it's like when you are like, okay, I'm going to just, okay, I can, I gotta make one dozen of these purses with fringe. I've never made them before, but I, I know that if I could just, <laughs> if I could just like do an all nighter, but the thing is, mm-hmm. unless you have a chauffeur, um, and you have a napping station in the back of like the limo you arrive in. <laughs> oh God, wouldn't that be nice? That would be great. Like just a little, <laughs> a little couch to sleep on, like a really, or like a bed or something you can just sleep on while in transport to the show. That'd be great. And then someone sets, little elves come out and set up your booth. That'd be wonderful. But like, there's so much <laughs> that has to happen. And then when you finally get there, those of us who've sold things before, if you've worked a booth, if you are a really low energy and you don't engage your public and they look like they, they might feel mm. like, wow, she looks really like she might cry. We maybe should just leave her alone. Then you won't sell as much mm-hmm. because if you have the energy to talk to people, about what you've made, talk to them about what they like or if they're shopping for somebody, help them pick out a gift for someone, you're going to make more sales and sleep is such a key component of that. And it's so I, true. I'm yeah. learning. I'm kind of totally. starting to learn about that sleep thing. And especially thing. if you're like an introvert and you and, and that already wears you out talking to people. Yeah, you need yeah. to take that rest and get that rest. But I mean, even I, I am an extrovert and it's, it's so exhausting, um, especially doing a three day show. But like, yeah, if you can if you can get that rest and just go to bed, because like you said, you're, you're going to end up making more sales because you're more energetic than you will because you stayed up till 3 a.m. making that thing. Do you have advice for people if you happen to get a feisty customer? I don't know if I had like what you would call like a feisty customer, but um, I I do from time to time have people get upset because I, I make um, one of the things that I make is jewelry out of records. And some people oh, yeah, the sacrilege. are passionate about records yeah. and will be like, I can't believe you do this. And we'll get kind of angry <laughs> with me. Oh I just try and joke it off and say, well, you know, they've made millions of these. Like, it's, it's okay. Like, it's just one, you know. Yeah. Um, I'll try and make a joke out of it. Um, or, or I, I do also always have like a couple people that will ask me how I make something. Oh yeah, that gets um, a, that's a sensitive area. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, for some people more than others, um, but uh, yeah, that's another tricky one. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've had anyone really get angry. With me. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I think, think it's just important to treat everybody the way that you would want to be treated. I Maybe mean, you're just having a bad day, um, and try not to take anything too personally. What has been your your best experience? Like, what do you love about doing these shows? Like what keeps you coming back for 12 years in Detroit to do this show in particular and can make sure it continues? It's so hard to put into words. It's, um, it's like the most magical weekend of the year for me. It really is. It's, it is Christmas to me. It's, um, just the community of, of makers and being part of that. Um, but also uh, everybody in attendance talking with people who are so passionate about what they make or about what they support. Um, it's just, it's, it's overwhelming and it's just beautiful to be in that realm and, and feel the energy of, of everybody in it having so much fun. And it's, uh, it, it sticks with you. It sticks with you for weeks. <laughs> and all of this week, I've been getting more and more excited 
um, and just and just amped up to feel that feeling again. It's it's just it's beautiful. We had um, a couple years ago we had a vendor who uh, each vendor gets like a bracelet, like uh, you know just like when you go to a bar and you get you know the little bracelet that says you're 21. <laughs> Um, every vendor gets one of those like when they when they check in. And she told us that she didn't take hers off for almost a month after oh, wow. these gifts because she, it just made her smile to look at it every day. You know, actually, like, it's funny because I don't think I took mine off awesome. right away either. Oh. I, I was <laughs> really? like, oh, that's so cute. And then I'm like, wait, I did that. Like, I, not for a whole month, but I would say a couple <laughs> days went by. Yeah, because it's That's yeah, awesome. yeah. No, it's kind of cool, you know, because you do feel like you're part of something, and I love that you guys do. Do you still do the group photo? Oh yeah, yeah. That's it's a like the best yeah. tradition ever. Thank you. Yeah, it's so cool. So much fun with that. Yeah, because yeah, what happens? Everyone sure. sets up, and then you do the. Sh- when do you do it? Is it Saturday morning? We do it Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Okay, um, like I knew it was a morning. minutes before doors open, and for for anyone who hasn't been to DUCF, um, it's in it's in this gigantic room um, in the Masonic Temple, which is the world's largest Masonic Temple, actually. But at one end of the room, um, we call it the Muppet Theater, because there are like <laughs> these red velvet like seats going back um, and... It, it, it reminds us of like of the Muppet Theater, <laughs> so we, we lovingly call it that. Um, but we have all the vendors like rush up and sit down, and we always take like a serious picture of just everybody smiling and looking nice, and then we take a crazy picture of everybody screaming their lungs out and just being goofy, and it's it's so much fun, and it's like. Yeah, it's it's usually the cover of my Facebook profile for like months after. Um, yeah, it's it's a great time, and and we all kind of have a moment of fun together before we get down to business again. Now, how hard is it to? Because there's a hundred people, right? A hundred vendors. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of I think you had a record number of applicants this year. Was it like we did? Yeah. How many did you have apply? I think probably over four hundred. Oh, wow. If we weren't over 400, we were very close to 400. I can't remember right now. Okay. So, how, do you, so <laughs> how big is the jury? Like when you're to decide how many, like, do you guys have help deciding or do you have to try to decide? Okay. We have a blind jury now. When when we were more members in Handmade Detroit, it was just us in Handmade Detroit. Um, but uh, when it became just Carrie and I as the organizers, um, we decided that we wanted to bring other people in to have a vote too. Um, we didn't, we didn't want it to just be us, but we wanted to, we wanted to hear other people's opinions, um, and other people's viewpoints and, and what they liked. So, yeah, so we have a blind jury, different people, um, that come in every year and there's, there's five of us voting, but nobody knows who the other three are. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so we um, it's all online. Um, my husband is a web developer and created this nifty little program where we all go in and vote, and we can't see how any of us are voting. And then at the end, uh, we tally up all of the points, and uh, and we have like a six- or seven-hour-long meeting discussing um, who all got in and making sure that there's enough variety in the show and that there's um, a, a good mix of different kinds of items and different types of crafts and um, craftspeople. And mm-hmm. also that we have all, uh, uh, at least 30% new people is what we try and do. That, that is we, really, we that's a cool idea. Yeah, that's a cool idea. And of course, I imagine that gets to the point though, when you have, anytime you have a jury situation, you have more interest than you have space available that's got to be, there's a downside because then you have to tell people, you get to tell a hundred people, yay, you're in. And then you have to tell, you know, a lot more people who, sorry, but you're not. And is that, yeah. is that the worst part of, of putting together a show? I mean, I can imagine that that seems like yeah. that'd be the hardest part. It is hard. It, um, uh, I usually, I usually cry <laughs> oh, at least once. Yeah. Um, but yeah I would too. I would hate that. Tough. Yeah. I would hate that part. Yeah, a lot of a lot of times it's friends um, or it's, it's people that have have been in the part of the community or the fair for multiple years. But um, you know, it's it, it's the way that the jury comes out, and that's you know that's why we brought a jury in yeah. to make sure that 
Yeah. So, um, so it, yeah, it is. It's hard. But, Do you see the show um, growing? I mean, because there's so much interest and I don't know. I mean, it sounds like it'd be really hard to manage a bigger show with two people organizing, but do you think that that, I mean, when you look at that and you probably have to kind of reassess after you get through this year's show, but would you, mm-hmm. would, have you guys ever thought about making it even bigger or does that kind of detract from the event if it gets too big? Like, how do you decide how big a show? We really don't want to. Um, we really don't want to go at any more, any more vendors. Um, uh, we do usually, we fluctuate between like 101 and 110 because sometimes people split tables and things right, like that. Right, right. Um, but uh uh, we are constrained by the size of the room that we're in, um, which we like being there. Right, right, <laughs> so that's right. One so, reason, um, but also like we we like keeping it to a hundred. Um, it it it's uh, it's easier to manage than if we uh, you know increased it by a lot. And um, but also it it makes sure that everybody has a really fruitful weekend um, and a really successive weekend. If we if we keep the vendors count down to around 100 we think do you have tips for shoppers um people coming to this show or they're going to another big show in their in their area what strategy do you recommend for for people to actually get what they came for and um without losing their mind or overheating because they wore that really heavy (laughs) their warmest warmest coat and now they're about ready to pass out because they're holding three bags and maybe they have a child, you know, getting a little mm-hmm. upset in a stroller. Um, what do you recommend for just doing, doing, <laughs> enjoying the show and not losing your mind? Well, like you just brought up, coat check is very good <laughs> if there is a coat check, which actually we don't. So I shouldn't say that. But um, and yeah, and strollers make it very difficult to get around sometimes, especially if it's a really congested time. But um, I, I always recommend that people come during like the off times. So um, another reason why we have the Friday night um there we usually have like 700 people over the course of the night. Um, so it's, it's really easy to get around and just purchase what you want and be able to talk with the artist. But um, also like in the evening, in the last like two, three hours of the day um, is, is also a really great time to shop. Um, there might be less stock, but like, you're going to have an easier time actually getting to the table to check out. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is a vendor map that you can get when you walk into the room, I highly suggest you grab that. Um, have a Sharpie with you and circle the tables if you do want to make that like, and I do it too. I'll walk through the fair and and go, oh, I like this. Let's keep looking and make sure that this is what I want for so-and-so. And I'll kind of make a list in my head as to who I'm shopping for. Mm-hmm. Um, and circle on the map, like who you liked or write that person's initial next to them or something. Um, and, and take notes because, yeah, you're going to, you might forget by the end of touring that whole room or that whole fair. Um, so I would do that. And then plus you have a list of all the vendors. So if you did forget something, then you can Google that person's name and, and buy it hopefully online or something later. Most major crafters will have a vendor list online. Spend like an afternoon before you go and, and look through that list and look at those people's websites or Etsy shops or, um, and, and, and think about who you're shopping for and what you might want to get ahead of time. Because sometimes you're going to walk by that booth and not even realize that there's something that might be perfect that you want. Um, but if you see online and you can make a note of, you know, checking out that person's booth, then you got it covered. Do you have tips for shoppers as far as like when they're going to, to purchase things? Like, what do you think is the best? Um, any advice for people to just kind of get through quickly, um, you know, and get on to the next booth? Because things do get congested when people, you know. Are- they do. So what, what advice do you have for just shopping in a, you know, and making it go fast and efficiently so you're not caught in a huge line? Um, I, would, I would give the same advice as I would give, like, if you were at a busy bar. Have your credit card out <laughs> when you get to the table or your cash out. Um, and, and if you have a bag already, let them know, like, hey, I don't need a bag. I can put it in here or, um, you know, but also just be patient and, and kind to each other <laughs> um, and have a nice conversation if you, if, if you can. If, if you have time, yeah. With the maker, because I really, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great thing for both of you. Now, do you have tips for vendors when, to make that experience go, it's, you know, efficiently for the customer? So if you have a credit card swiper, 
um, have get a second because I have had them break over the course of the day to stop working. So if you use PayPal or Square or one of those swipers, have a second one. <laughs> um, not not just for that reason, but also to give to your helper. If you have a helper in your booth, which you should have a helper in your booth, um, and and have them install that app on their phone for the day, and they can help with that too. Um, also have like a kind of station for checking out, keep your bags and your money and your cards and all the things that you need in one spot um, and try and encourage your customer who's checking out to come over there. So you're not reaching across your booth or, you know, making it take longer. Um, we, we all, we actually send out to our vendors, like try and make it so that you're checking out your checkout is to the left of your table. Um, because then customers just kind of get used to that motion of going through the fair. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And now as far as bags go, um, I know we're in this, this, um, time where a lot of people are like trying to like use reusable bags and everything, but how important is it for vendors to have, to supply people with bags? Is it considered extremely packy if you're like, okay, thank you. And you just hand them this awkward thing. And then they're carrying a vase through the, to the rest of the fair with <laughs> no bag. Like, I mean, what, what do you recommend? What is the minimum that a, that a vendor, a good vendor should have? Like what, what should yeah. we all be doing for our customers? I always have bags and I, I have like bags in like three different sizes, little ones for if you're buying a pair of earrings from me or like a medium sized one, if you're buying a couple of notebooks and then a big one, if you're buying a whole bunch of notebooks. Um, but I always offer, even if they have bags in their hand, I'll always still offer because sometimes they're using those to keep, uh, like, these are all my presents for this side of the family. Right, right. You know, and so I always ask, but most of the time if they have a bag, most customers will tell me, like, no, 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 I've got it. I can put it in here. Like, um, and, and I'm, I'm happy to save a tree and, and not you know, hand that bag out. Now for people that are listening to this and they're like, Oh crap, I don't have any bags. Um, what do you recommend? So me personally, um, uh, I live in, in Berkeley, which is kind of near Royal Oak and Ferndale in Michigan for those people who don't know, but I have a great little independent jewelry store, like a half a mile from my house called Monroe's and they sell bags for jewelry makers but they also sell like larger bags, like, but it's all paper, like craft, mm-hmm. um, paper bags and they sell them in bulk. I, I know that not everybody has a shop like that, but if you do support that local business and buy your bags there. Um, but also, I mean, if you have a prime membership, you can get that stuff on Amazon too in a couple of days. If you are realizing that you're, you're going to be out or, uh, or you are already out or you forgot to order them. You can, you can do that too. And I think, uh, you know, like Michael's and Joanne's and stuff is selling more and more like supplies. Yeah. They're trying to kind of, cater, yeah. Catered event people are vending. Yeah. Yeah. And the great thing about like a paper bag is you can, if you have a business stamp, or yeah, a I was sticker, just going to say that, throw yeah. that on there. It's like a walking advertisement walking through the fair. It sounds like you guys have this down to a science now, 12 years later, and it's something that, um, I mean, would you recommend it to people or do you, would you, are you just kind of like, okay, I'm glad we know what we're doing now because it was really hard back when we did, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, um, and things have changed over, over the years too. I mean, uh, we used to promote on MySpace, <laughs> like, um, but yeah, it's, no, I, it's, it's really worthwhile. It's, um, I think my life would be drastically different if I hadn't been a, a member of Hamilton Detroit I, and and I I wouldn't want it any different than it is right now it's um I, I've made lots of really close friends through this um and I've become a, a better maker and a better person I think just from knowing the people that I've met um working on this fair and being part of this fair yeah I would I would wholeheartedly recommend it but I would warn you that it is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I mean, um, it sounds like you guys work pretty much all year on this. Like, it's not year, like, yeah. yeah, you don't just kind of start start up a couple of weeks before. Um, you know, no, yeah, we, yeah, we have, I mean, we have a wrap up meeting, um, like, like two weeks after DCF and we start right away. 
thinking of, you know, what can we do to make it even better next year? Um, and applications open in July, and, and that's that's when it really starts rolling. But yeah, we work on it all year, and um, and it's a it's a lot of work, and uh, and and just like how you're crafting last minute, and you think of that thing that you could have made, and you want to do it. That's that's that also applies to running a craft. <laughs> so we're always going like, oh, you know, what we could do, and then you're like, <laughs> oh. With. Yeah. yeah, we come up with something more that we that we want to do um, for for our vendors and for our customers. And um, but it's it's I, I, it's it's a really great thing to be a part of. How big is your team that helps on actual on the show, like behind the scenes? How many people do you have working with you to make this thing a success? Um, we have well, it's, it's Carrie and I, and then we've got like half a dozen people that help in in different ways. Um, from running the booth to helping uh, the volunteers out and um, running the door and, you know, uh, things like that. Um, and then we've got usually like, like 20 to 30 volunteers over the weekend, too. Um, we, have a, we have a caterer that provides that we, we buy lunch for the vendors. Um, and we have volunteers who run the food out to, to all the vendors and so they don't have to leave the booth. And is it basically like running like a second small business then really when you, when you, cause you have your own business and then you, and then do you have a day job on top of that besides? I, I don't, um, I, I have, I have two kids. I have a six year old and a four year old, um, which is like a job. In oh my gosh. Itself. Yes. You're in the thick oh, of it <laughs> for sure. Um, and then, and then I, yeah. And then I have my own business reorg vintage and then handmade Detroit as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And for, for both of those businesses, this is the busy time. So um, it's it's a lot of work and a lot of sleepless nights this time of year. But um, I, I start prepping for it in September. That's awesome. And it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like it's, I mean, you started with a bigger team. So it was probably, um, it was nice probably to have more people when you're just trying to figure out like, okay, how do we do this? You know, um, now that you have it down, and you have, it sounds like having a good partner is got to be key to this because Absolutely. that would be really hard to work. And so it sounds like that would be a, a big consideration for anyone looking to start a show. Um, and without getting into that, I'm not going to have you get into the nitty gritty financials of this whole thing. But realistically, um, people probably should start with smaller than 100 vendors to start because that's a lot of people to manage. Um, yeah. But yeah. what re- realistically though, and I know it depends venue to venue, but if someone's going to start a, a show and have like maybe shoot for 50 or less, you know, 40 to 50 vendors, um, budget wise, what would the partner group have to think about? Like just to the cost, I, I think a lot of people are curious about just the cost to start a show, uh, to start a small, you know, really kind of, you know, budget show. Um, what is realistic? Because I think a lot of people get out there and like, oh, we're going to have a show. It's going to be great. And then they don't really think <laughs> about the fact that you kind of need a little bit of money to, to have a show. Right. Um, you can't just rely exclusively, especially when you're just starting because there's no carryover money. You don't have the door fee from last year right. because there wasn't one last exactly. year. <laughs> so what, right. what would yeah. advice would you give just for people like that want to plan something? Well, on, uh, our, when we had our first year, when we were playing the first Detroit Urban Craft Fair, we made um, little felt pins. Um, I remember those. Michigan's, yeah. yeah. And that was like our fundraiser for, for months. We sold those for $3 a piece or two for five. Um, and whenever we were each doing smaller shows and... Um, I think we even had some bands selling them like in their merch booths for us. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was kind of how we raised the funds to put on that first one. But um, the vendor fees should help um, pay for, you know, the majority of the show. Um, but I mean, there are a lot of costs to consider from you know, renting um, wherever it is that you're renting the space and, um paying the people who are working for you and helping you, um, meals and, you know, any other miscellaneous expenses, parking, um, things like that, copies and printing of like posters and please pay your artists for, um, for making posters and either money or, or, you know, giving them a free space or, um, you know, helping them in, in some way as they're helping you. But there are lots and lots of, of, of different costs. Um, and I would highly recommend 
spending some time and figuring out what all of those would be before you commit to doing it and (laughs) before you commit to what the vendor table fee is. Right, right. Because if (laughs) you you have yourself in debt doing it. Right, right. And can people expect, though, um, did did you guys actually make money the first year you did the show? No. Okay. And how long did it take to actually make money on the show? Years. Like five or ten, um, or is it closer to five? Yeah, or ten? yeah. Uh, probably closer to five. Yeah, before yeah. we we got a paycheck. Yeah. So you kind of have to think. You have to think like long, long road. Like, like this is not long a, road. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, none of us were really in it for the money. We we thought it would be fun to do it. I mean, that was the main objective. Was um, I mean, I joined because I I was. I thought it would be fun and uh, a great experience. And I was just really excited to meet other women who liked to make stuff. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> so and, and, and honestly, part of it. none of us are in, in this for them. I mean, if you think about all the effort right. and energy, if we were like doing this at a corporate level, we would be commanding very high salaries, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just like we've kind of chosen freedom and create, you know, to be able to do whatever we want, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a trade off. But yeah, so. Yeah. It's so, yeah. fulfilling that that passion and that drive to, um, I mean, I I like the, making what I make, but um, I I like helping other makers. I think more than that, um, I just I want to be as supportive of the community as I can be. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's really why I do it. Well, I am so glad that you're w- willing to do a last minute interview and I hope that some of the people listening and maybe crafting in their home studios right now or their kitchen table whatever they want to call it um it's okay to call it your studio um I call wherever I work I'm working my studio but anyway my um, finished basement is my studio yeah Yeah, I mean it's like just your studio is where you want to (laughs) yeah well I hope the folks listening though are feeling inspired to maybe apply for their first show at you know maybe next year that you'll see an application from someone who's just kind of getting started that'd be awesome because you guys do make sure that new people get in which is wonderful um and i hope some new shows pop up like that'd be kind of cool too like in other cities you know there are so many things happening in michigan and shows to do it's incredible and we we try and cover them all so check out handmadedetroit.com and follow us on facebook um and and you'll see us post about like, Hey, this show is looking for vendors. And, um, and, but we also post about like, Hey, this show is coming up that you might want to shop at. Yeah. But our Detroit Urban Craft Fair applications open up, um, in mid July and usually close in late September. So, um, keep an eye out for that and, uh, and best of luck, but yeah, we always make it a priority to have new vendors in, um, and, and grow the community even more. So, and you yeah, guys have a great, um, uh, you guys have a great FAQ for people. So that the frequently asked questions, there's a good list um, of guidelines for people to kind of help, you know, guide their first process or maybe they're, you know, repeat people who have applied before. Um, if you didn't get in this year, it does not mean that you won't get in next year. Correct. And if you got in, I mean, there's no guarantee things change. So um, knowing there's that fluctuation, um, is kind of, is a good thing too. Um, have you had vendors be in all 12 shows? Has that, how many people have actually done all your shows? Is, is there anybody that's done all your shows? There are three people that have done all 12 shows, <laughs> myself so cool. and, and Carrie. <laughs> um, and, uh, Amanda shot of Dang Argyle is the only person who is not an organizer and has done every single year. That's really cool. Well, congrats to her. Yes, we made her a t-shirt <laughs> for year 10. I'm going to let you get on with what you need to do, and I will get on to getting this podcast out, and I will see you awesome. on Friday. I will see you on Friday. Okay, I'm looking forward to <laughs> Good night. It. Okay, good night. A special thanks to Bethany for just giving me time, being so generous with her time in a week when neither of us really had extra time. So I really do appreciate that. And I hope that this podcast has been entertaining for you, and hopefully you walked away with a tip or two. And um, if you want to help me start a show in Grand Rapids, get in touch. Uh, (laughs) And if you're going to the Detroit Urban Craft Fair, it's uh, December 1st through 3rd, the Masonic Temple in Detroit. Uh, Admission on opening night is $10 with five of that going to Girls Rock Detroit. Admission is a dollar on Saturday and Sunday. And the hours on Saturday are 10 to 8 and then 11 to 6 on Sunday. I will be there the whole weekend. I'm doing a make and take event with a little yarn bar on 
Friday night. So I'll be teaching people how to do some circular weaving and also uh, some little uh, mini tapestry weaving. And we'll have some uh, make and take options for people that these make great stocking stuffers too. So if you'd rather just buy one to give to a friend or a relative, um, I'll have those. And it. I, I will be demonstrating weaving throughout the entire weekend. So feel free to stop by and say hello if you're interested in seeing what I do. This is my first holiday season with the Kindred line of Craft Sanity weaving looms. So these are peg weaving looms that go from, make. I use them to make mini cowls and big cowls and rugs and blankets and scarves and hats size infant to adult. They all come with color instructions. And I'm also um, selling some laser cut looms. These are new. I think they might be new since my last podcast. I can't remember. It's all a blur. Um, I'm doing bracelet and tapestry looms, and then also circular looms in three different sizes. I'm also doing some continuous weave that are on the weavette type of looms. So there's a lot a lot of looms, tons of looms. And I'm really excited to to bring all this stuff to market on Friday in Detroit. But I also um, will be selling all this stuff online. So feel free to check out the Etsy shop, craftsanity.etsy.com. And of course, um, I'm going to have links to Bethany's shop as, as well, um, her vintage shop. And you can get some of those controversial... Um, <laughs> earrings that she makes out of records if you're interested um but hopefully some of you will be able to come to the show it'd be so great to meet you and hear your story and uh once i get past this show and then i and then the next hurdle is getting my students through at the end of the semester so we have a couple more weeks of hard work and then from there um i will be um looking to gather some names for the next batch of Craft Sanity podcasts. So I'm going to have some time off in between semesters and I will be looking forward to recording some new shows. So give me a shout if you have an idea. Uh, The best way to reach me would be through email. You can write jennifer at craftsanity.com. And yeah, I just kind of threw an after show into this exit, which I'm just very sleep deprived right now. So I have a bit of work to do before I can go to bed. So I'm going to sign off because I feel like I'm not going to make much sense if I keep talking. So I'll be back soon with another episode. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Craft Sanity podcast. To support the show, click the Patreon link at CraftSanity.com to donate $1 a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at CraftSanity.etsy.com. Same time next week will be Craft.